0: The information provided on this podcast is intended to be educational and informational only and is not considered to be formal legal advice. The listener should not take or refrain from taking action based on its content. Any listener in need of legal opinion upon which to rely in decision making should consider formally engaging an attorney to review relevant facts in detail and examine the pertinent law as it applies to those facts.
1: Hello, everybody. This is Ben coming from New Orleans. And today we got Van Sturgeon, who is a expert real estate entrepreneur with over 30 years of experience and owns over 1,200 properties. He's a true expert regarding renovations and working with general contractors. And a lot of things that we really need to know is, is as we're beginning our, our real estate investment journey. And so I'm really excited to have him hopefully save us from some of the headaches and cat- catastrophes that could occur um when we're just getting started. So,
0: um Van, thank you very much for coming on. No problem. It's uh, it's I'm glad that we are able to hook up and have a uh, have this uh, chat. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, me as well. So, can you start by just
1: introducing yourself and um telling us a little bit more about your experience?
0: Sure, no problem. I am uh I'm a uh, I was born and raised in Chicago and I uh, in the midst of that uh, being uh, there, I, I've also I've I, I also live in Toronto, established a family is uh, there. So I'm I'm both a Canadian and a U.S. Uh, citizen. Um, I am a I started got started as a general contractor, and then from general contractor, I moved on to uh, becoming a real estate investor. Where I started with flips. And from flips, migrated into buy and hold. Uh, I was doing burrs when even way before burrs were even a, even, even a word or, term, or terminology out there. Like I got started in the early nineties. So I've got a number of years that I've been doing this and I've been pretty good at it. It's pretty successful. Got multiple successful businesses. Uh, I've got approximately 1200 doors right now to my name and they're uh, scattered in four particular areas. Uh, and, and I've got some really great people that are working out, look after my businesses, uh, whether it's employees or partners. And right now I'm uh, semi-retired in my life, and I am really out there uh, talking to uh, to folks and trying to get the good word out about this whole renovation value add component that's so important in in a real estate investor's uh, arsenal. And it seems there's a lot of apprehension, confusion. I'm out there talking to talking about that particular uh, side of the business. Awesome.
1: Well, I want to start with uh, what's your first milestone in real estate?
0: My first milestone in real estate, interestingly enough, uh, happened when I was uh, I was a I was a younger fella. My parents were immigrants uh, to the country, and they uh, they were working their tail off trying to save up their money to buy uh buy their first dream home. And we were living in a one-bedroom apartment, all four of us, including my younger brother. As my parents were saving their money up, all of a sudden, uh, they, they learned uh, that the building that we were renting uh, had gone up for sale. So instead of actually purchasing their dream home, my parents scraped together a down payment and purchased, their, purchased this first multifamily asset which was pretty cool. I, uh, 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 you know, we moved to become the landlords. And, and it was in the late 70s when we purchased that. My parents purchased it. And uh, it was fully occupied. It was uh, all that stuff. And then all of a sudden, uh, things started to change pretty dramatically in the late 70s. Sort of like what we're going through right now. Interest rates were skyrocketing on the mortgages. Interest rates of inflation rate was going through the roof. Uh, The unemployment rate uh, was really high. The the economy was struggling. We had the ran hostage situation. It was just a miserable time. And what ended up happening was that this, uh, this great, you know, this nice neighborhood started to deteriorate pretty rapidly. Uh, Drugs, prostitution started to move in. You had the migration out of the city into the suburbs of folks, families, and then you had the criminal element coming in. So all of a sudden, uh this uh, investment that we had started to deteriorate pretty quickly and that we started, we started suffering through 30, 40, 50 percent vacancy as people were getting out and and it was a, it was it was really it was bad uh, for for you know we didn't have the assets we didn't have the money to stashed away to be able to cover that kind of stuff. So it, it was just really good. It got to the point of remember in 8180 where landlords couldn't hold on and they were literally torching their own buildings. Like sending them on fire to collect the insurance money, that's how bad it got. Even to this day, if you walk certain neighborhoods, you can see the remnants of fires that occurred on the brick. And so, as a family, uh, this is the only thing that we had, and so we had to buckle down, we had to do everything that we needed to, to, to survive. Try you know being electrician, we're the painters, we clean toilets. I don't know how many thousands of toilets I've cleaned in my life. Uh, and that's that's the background uh, that I came from. That was a and we were able to. Over a period of time, we were able to survive that. And not only that, it, was, it, was, it ended up being a great investment. Uh, my parents did very, very well with that. And that actually gave me the, the, the background, the experience to uh, then move on in my life. And they, I, I went off to university, graduated, had aspirations of becoming a lawyer. And, and uh, I just couldn't see myself pushing paper. And I and I had a really difficult conversation with my parents because, you know, like every parent, your hopes and dreams are just your baby boy is going to be a lawyer or a doctor or something like that, you know, with a three-piece suit and alligator shoes. And um, I was with that guy. And I broke into them. And then uh, I went off into Chicago in the late 80s and became a general contractor on the hustle, uh, working my way, trying to develop a business, creating relationships. And, and over a period of time, I kept running into these these real estate investors, these guys who would buy and sell and flip, and and I'm like, whoa, this is pretty, uh, this is pretty cool stuff. And I was seeing what they were doing. And then uh, in 1991, I had my first flip, where I bought a property, I renovated it, uh, sold it, and I made like around thirty thousand dollars, which I was back then, Benjamin, it was a lot of money. Like lawyers were making. $30,000. I was able to knock something like that down over course. I think it was like five or six months. And so I, I was hooked. I was like, Whoa, this is uh, this is something that I want to continue to do. And um, I've been really blessed. I've been really blessed in my life in that I've been, I, I've developed a number, a couple of successful businesses. And I don't think, I mean, I don't think there's anything that rocks and crawls under real estate that I haven't done from land development, subdivisions, custom homes, Office buildings. I own a restoration company that does high-rise work. You know the people that uh, balconies and, and underground garages stuff like that to do the repairs. I, I I do that as well. So I've been very blessed to have uh, surrounded myself with some great people and partners along the way. And and uh, right now, like I said, I'm semi-retired. I just enjoy doing these podcasts and getting the good word out about how to get involved in real estate, how to structure your you know the systems and processes you need in a in a successful endeavor, because you can't, this is, you gotta, you gotta have, uh, you gotta be professional about it, because there's a lots of money at stake when you get involved in real estate, a lot of liability, and you gotta implement processes, uh, processes and systems, so that you can, uh, you can scale your portfolio and grow. And there's nothing better. There's nothing out there that that is better than real estate people talk about stock markets and crypto and all that other stuff but man if i can just give me 20% give me 20 you know give me 100,000 give me 50,000 give me leverage the power of leverage is so powerful whether it's my money or your money it's unbelievable that what you can do with real estate and then you know create relationships where you know joint ventures that's how i created my portfolio that's how i got started where folks would would come to me with their money and we would go work out a ranger where uh, they gave me all the money I needed and I did all the work. And then we, we ended up to the, you know, brought them to the promised land and I did that once or twice and three times and all of a sudden I had a lineup of people wanting to throw money at me to do the, do the same thing over and over again. So when people say that we need, you need money to get involved in real estate, no, that's not true. What you need is actual education. You need to be able to know your business inside and out. And if you get to that point, uh, anything and everything is possible. We live in the greatest country in the world. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously you
1: love real estate. And I think anyone who's listening to this is pretty interested and see the possibility for what real estate could be. And I know a lot of times when you think of investments, people's first is like, oh, stock market, bonds, all these things that are all in the TV and news and all these things in front of us. Um, and, you know, maybe- people are starting to realize the power of alternative investments, especially cash flowing r- real assets. But um, there's a major difference between owning a piece of paper and having someone else do everything versus being a participant in a real estate deal where you actually, you have to take some responsibility for making the investment actually pan out. So I kind of wanted to ask from your experience, um, you know, what are the things you got to start thinking about when, if we want this, business plan that makes sense on paper to actually realize and maybe even go beyond the paper um, when we actually implement the business plan. So what are the first couple of things you'd, um, you know, start thinking about?
0: Well, I mean, I, like I mentioned, uh, I think it, it really starts with educating yourself and really thoroughly uh, understanding the whole process, understanding what you can, uh, how it works. And uh, you, sometimes you can do that with uh, YouTube videos or reading a book but I really am a strong proponent of learning through a coach or a mentor how to do it, because it's like learning how to play a guitar. You know, if you decided today, Ben, that you wanted to learn how to play the guitar, you can go with the option of buying a book or doing watching YouTube videos, and maybe after a couple of years, you might learn how to strum a tune. Or you hire a guitar teacher that sits right beside you, watches you shows you how to hold a the guitar there's certain nuances there's certain things that are customized or personalized when you have a one-on-one interaction with a music teacher guitar teacher than you can with a youtube video right and so is it possible to do all of that stuff through that kind of like youtube and, and reading books yeah but i really am a huge proponent of having somebody there right beside you a coach a mentor and i have spent hundreds of thousands of dollars. And my development, my successes have been attributed to the investment I made in myself through coaches and mentors and weekend retreats and all that kind of stuff. I'm a product of all that investment that I did on me. And that's why I've been very successful. And so that's what I encourage everybody who wants to get into this, is that you should be investing in yourself first before you start investing in any property. And, And it, and real estate is a, it, it's a beautiful business, but it can really, I've seen some, it can be really vicious. It can really, I've seen great attention people with lots of money go in, not knowing what they do. And, and all of a sudden they get walloped and it's sometimes they can't survive that big wallop. You know, they, they purchase a, thing, a property they think that they, it's a great deal, but it's not or they over-renovate a property and, and, and they can't get their money out or they hire a contractor that steals their deposits or runs away. There's a whole bunch of things. And we're, talking, we're not talking about a couple hundred dollars here. We're talking about tens or maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars at play. And so I think that it's just like when we run out and buy an insurance policy on our car before we drive out, there's a 99% chance that if you drive to the corner store and come back, that you'll be fine. But there's always that 1%. And that's the reason why you buy insurance. And so I think that part of that whole coach and mentorship to be able to get you through a first your first investment purchase and you know the disposition of it is is, is incredibly important. And and uh, yeah, hopefully I've explained myself about that one.
1: Totally. Well, it seems like the the common trend and um, rightfully so is acquire an asset, add value to it. Um, hopefully that boosts the valuation by um, you know I mean we don't have to go into the details there, but I wanna talk about uh, specifically like what to look for in terms of opportunities to add value. And then, you know, how to do that. Like, how do you, you know, actually innova- or implement a re- a
0: renovation? And like, what are the things that we have to, to be aware of? Sure. Uh, ultimately, when you're looking at it, uh, acquiring an asset, we as real estate investors are looking for a diamond in a rough. We're looking for an ugly duckling. We're looking for a beat up piece of junk. You know, the crappiest house on a great street. And we acquire it for a great price because we're discounting it for our time and profit and also for the amount of work that it requires. So once we buy that piece of junk, now in order, we got a great deal, that's wonderful. We got one side of the, you know, the pillars, the two pillars that support real estate investing is One, we got a great deal, under market, off market deal. And then the other pillar is how do we raise value? What do we do? What kind of renovation? What kind of thing that we do to this to be able to elevate that value past the point of what we paid for it in terms of renovation and purchase price so that we can either make a profit on a flip or we can profit from it by pulling equity out in a refinance and do the process over again. And so it, Hollywood spends such a wonderful time on, you know, these renovations, you know, these 30 minute shows where they buy a property and they do, they bash the wall down and blah, blah, blah. And they made 50,000, $80,000. That's wonderful. Hollywood stuff. But at the end of the day, nobody, the cameras kind of pull away. Don't show you that wall that falls onto the ground. and it turns into millions of pieces or the contractor doesn't want to show up because they give you some nonsense excuse and how you deal with them. And, what are the items you choose that deliver the highest ROI toward your project? And so those are the types of things that I help people through in trying to really structure and implement the systems and processes necessary in, in a business. This is a business to be able to get you to the point where you're efficient and you're able to bang out ROI. So one of the things I I'm a, you know, I, I see it often, I'm just going to assume that people buy you know, got, they get a great deal. They bought a great deal. So there's a process that, that should be implemented when you get to the point where you need to do that value add, that renovation, whether it's a single family or multifamily. And the first thing is really you need to set a goal. We need goals in our life. We need to have, it is, it's like similar to hopping in a car and, and not entering a destination. You can't, where are you going? You got to know what your goals are. And then based off of that goal, that is the beacon that everything flows through in order to get you to the point where you have realized your goal. So once we've established a goal, that goal could be, I'm looking to make $30,000 on a flip. I'm looking to rent this place off for $1,500 a month. Whatever that goal is, you establish it and you write it down for this investment property. I'm literally, you got to write it down. Because once you write it down, then you can visualize the steps you have something to look at to be able to structure a plan of attack to get to that goal. And once you have that, then you go, you got to go out there, Ben, and you got to validate that goal. So what does that mean? I got to go boots on the ground and got to go and visit properties that are going to get, you know, similar properties are going to get me to the goal. So I got to go look at a a previous sale that that occurred of a, of a price or I got to look at rental properties that have the income the rental income that I'm looking for and glean as much information as I can off of that particular asset so that I can then uh, understand that yeah uh, these are the things I need to do and it, it is possible for me to do it right like you got to know what you you, you got to know what you got to do to the property and, and, and through that process, you, you validate it. You make sure that you're, that you're going to be able to reach those, those, those goals that you've established for that particular renovation value-add project. And once you've gotten that, then you move on to budget. Like, it's very easy. It's a slippery slope for us to get into renovating a property and do a replacing this and renovating that and repairing that and changing that. And all of a sudden, a $30,000 budget can easily turn into hundred thousand dollars, and that's one of the common things I find in, you know, new uh, f- investors when they do their first flip or their first acquisition is they spend too much money on on renovating the place. They over renovate, and so you gotta. How do you hold on to uh, doing that? Is you gotta establish what the budget is, and typically you do that prior to acquiring the, the property but you need to establish what the amount of money we have. How much money do we have in the kitty? And that can also can come in forms of assistance from one of the, one of the things that a lot of folks miss out on is that there are opportunities through your local government, uh, state, maybe even federal where there's incentives. Like I've taken advantage of tens of thousands of dollars, uh, upgrading lighting, uh, sewer, upgrading the weeping tile foundation, something along those lines that the government is throwing money at people to improve their properties because of for, for whatever reason for for the environment for structural reasons what have you and so i would suggest strongly that folks look into their local and do some digging around to see if there's any opportunities that because you can add you can add value for free whatever you cost you put in it you can get it covered by the government But anyways once you've established your goal so you got uh and you got it validated you know how much money you're going to put in this into this renovation value add the next thing you got to do is you got to do an assessment of the property, the asset itself. Again, whether it's multifamily, whether it's single family, and you really need to do, a, go through a checklist of identifying the items necessary to be able to uh, do something with this property. And I call that a needs and wants list. And really cl- clearly on that sheet, you got one side is, uh, has needs and the other side has wants. And so what a need is, is something like uh uh, a pothole in a driveway. We don't want to have potholes in a driveway because that's liability that actually will make progressively, it'll get worse. Uh, the problem will get worse. Uh, you know, uh, windows that leak or a roof that's leaking foundation, you know, things of that nature that need to have to, you know, have to be repaired. Then you got the one side and those are things like, you know, that lime green carpet from the 1980s, uh, appliances that are white and all decrepit looking, but they're still functional. These are want items that we put on that other side of the ledger, on the other side of the list. And what we do is that the whole purpose of this list is that we do an inventory of the whole property. It forces us to look at it and then writing everything down. And then based on the amount of money that we set aside in our budget, we first address the things that are on the need side, repairs, you know, things that have to be done. And then we look at the want side and attribute the one uh, spending money on the items that deliver the highest ROI. And oftentimes folks will get stuck into doing things that just aren't really necessary, like replacing windows, for example. Like long as the windows are functional, they might not be the most energy efficient. They might not be the best looking uh, suckers, but sometimes like often you can get by with not replacing windows because it's a huge high ticket item and putting those dollars saving those dollars and putting them into places where you can get the highest ROI. And I find that the highest ROI on property is, is uh, exterior stuff. Like simplest things like, uh, you know, doing some landscaping, uh, recoding a driveway. If you have an asphalt drive, it black, uh, painting the front door, the garage door, all of a sudden changes the look, the appearance of the property. And I'm telling you, based on my experience that I've literally done thousands of renovations, thousands of flips, that there's something that subconsciously and consciously, when you have a new purchaser or a new prospective tenant who comes onto your property, when they see that all nicely landscaped, the uh, black coat topping and the windows, I mean, sorry, the doors, you know, everything's painted. It's, uh, and people all of a sudden, you know, start to be, uh, there's an old say that a real estate agent told me, God rest her soul. She said, Van, you can't sell the steak without the sizzle you need to have a little razzmatazz to be able to entice people to come in. And it's amazing. I've I've studied this. I've looked at this. It's amazing how people start to overlook the the kitchen that you didn't renovate or the appliances are kind of crusty and musty or a bathroom you didn't do anything with because, Oh, the outside looks so homely, so beautiful. So enticing to the people who are interested in either renting it or purchasing it. Right. Uh, So yeah, so those are like that's typically like uh, those are the exercises that I want people to engage in. And once you've been able to identify what are the things on a needs and wants list that were within your budget that you want to do, that you can do, want to do, then you move on into the really the most important, well, one of the most important aspects associated with a renovation. And it's called developing a document. It's called a detailed scope of work. Now... Benjamin, I have been, uh, I've done renovations all across the board from residential all the way down to commercial. And there isn't a project on the commercial side that doesn't have a detailed, developed detail scope work, a document that gives a blow by blow account, all the specification, the processes, everything associated with that particular renovation is written in a document. And you read it, it's like the Bible just says, every single process is listed in there. And there is no deviance as a general contractor from it. You have to follow what's in that document because you sign off on it as part of the agreement, the contract that exists between the owner and the contractor. On the on the residential side, single family home side, I rarely find anybody that puts a scope of work together. And on top of that, if there is one, it's so generic; it's so it, it doesn't give you any detail. And oftentimes the scope of work is developed by the general contractor and not by the person who's actually paying for the service. It's like we're allowing the wolves into the hen house. Like if I'm a general contractor, which I am, mm-hmm. I, like, I, I don't even want to, like, I, I could take so much. I could take advantage of you so quickly, so easily. It, it's just to be kids. It like, it could be kids play. And that's where folks need to really spend some time, especially if you want to be a professional real estate investor, whether it's on the single-family home or multifamily, home, it doesn't matter. You have to have something developed that you can use as a boilerplate that you can use constantly over and over and over again. But you need to develop that. So, what is it that you're looking for in a kitchen? What is it looking for in a bathroom? How many? What's the surface preparation on a wall? How many? Uh, what kind of primer? How many coats of primer? What kind of paint? How many coats of paint? All of that information, detailed information you need to include in a detailed scope of work. Because when you move on to the next phase, when you tender it out, contractors will look at that detailed scope of work and there's no wiggle room now. They can't shuck and jive. They got to follow what is written there and price it out accordingly. And all of a sudden, you get quotes from contractors that you could compare apples to apples. Not, not, not this kind of nonsense where one contractor says 30,000, another one says 60,000, another one says 20,000. And now you as a real estate investor, scratch your head wondering, why is there such a huge difference between all these quotes? And they look at the quotes, they're vague, don't know. Is it two coats or three coats of paint? Is it a ceramic tile or porcelain tile? You know how many different types of toilets you can buy, Benjamin? There's $100 toilets and there's $1,000 toilets. Which one do you want? Now, if I'm a contractor, what? guess what? I'm going to start to play games, and I'm going to give you this, and I'm going to withhold that, and I'm going to give you a $20,000 quote. But in reality is that once we get into the fine print, that price is not, not 20. I didn't include this. I didn't include that. All of a sudden, it jumps up to 50. And so, again, a detailed scope of work is is something that if you get into a, uh, you have to do, and it ensures uh, – delivery, consistent delivery of a product at the end of the day. That makes sense? Makes a ton of sense.
1: That's a lot of amazing gems there. A detailed scope of work seems like, I mean, I, there's like a little bit of skepticism around general contractors generally, because people think that, you know, once you get the bid, now their job is to see how low they can keep the costs without you catching them. So it's like, I kind of want you to give a little bit more um, elaborate more on the perspective of a general contractor and then how we can work with that as a real estate investor.
0: Absolutely. And one of the, I, I, in the clients that I have that I help across North America, one of the common themes is that what I engage them in, in, in my consultation, coaching with them is I can't find contractors. All the good ones are so busy. And, and I'm telling you that that isn't true. Uh, uh, general contractors are businesses, and like every business, you have. If you're successful, you got you got a client base, but it's like uh, that client base. There's attrition to it over a period of time. That client base starts to shrink. It's like a proverbial bucket that has a little hole in the bottom. That you keep filling, you keep filling it up with water. You keep filling it up with good clients. Every once in a while clients disappear through you know they go off uh, find another contractor, they get out of the business, they get hit by a bus. There's a reason why uh, you know you get client you know, get clients that leave. And so we as a good successful business are always constantly out there looking for no more customers, more leads, more opportunities. And, but we're selected because we're successful. We know what we want. We know that the value of us being uh, making the most amount of money is turnover of projects. It isn't for me to get stuck on one and milk it to death. My objective is to get in get my work done as quickly as possible and get paid so I can move on to the next project. That's, that's turnover. That's volume. That's where people make money and then any form of business. And so I when I get approached by people that are interested in me pricing out their jobs, I will I will look at it. I'm interested. But immediately I am able I'm quickly I will separate the ones that I want to spend time on and the ones that I won't waste my time because I'm in the business of making money. and I don't have time to uh, be to hold you by the hand and educate you and, and put you through that process. No. If you come to me with a detailed scope of work and you come out across as a professional operator, and you would by with providing me a detailed scope of work, and you lay out exactly what it is that you want, I'm intrigued. I am interested in doing business with you. And I want I will look at it. And if you do it properly with pictures and diagrams and all that kind of stuff, then I'm going to price it out because because the amount of information you provide most likely won't even require me to come visit you. So I save time. So it's no skin off my nose to look at it, put it together and send you, send you, give you a quote, right. Or engage you in conversation versus uh, if, if I have to go to a project and, uh, and the only thing that we have is point at this and look at that and all that. And I'm like, get yeah, I'm out of there. I'm not interested. Good contractors don't want to waste their time with that. You understand what I mean? Does that make sense to you? Okay. And so as a result, I, I, uh, One of the, I'm a uh, contra uh, folks need to realize that if you want to be successful real estate investor, you got to get in the, you got to create that also by virtue of having a detailed scope of work, all the riffraff, the newcomers, you know, the guys who ran out to the local home Depot or home improvement center and just bought a hammer and started driving around and beat up pickup truck, calling themselves a contractor. If you gave them a detailed scope of work and they started reading it, their head would explode, because they're, they're 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 novices. They don't have the experience. They don't even know how to price it out. So they look at this thing and they're like, and they run away, which is a good thing. We don't want to get involved with losers. Yeah, look at your look at your network. It is your net worth? Your network is your net worth. There's a saying like that. And so we don't want to, go, we don't want to deal with, with yo-yos. We want to deal with professional operators because also you will realize as a real estate investor who's successful is that time is money and quality, professionalism, all that kind of stuff matters. And it is actually quantifiable. So again, even as a real estate investor who's in the flips, as a real estate investor who's looking at doing buy and hold Cost is an issue, but more importantly, I I'm want to deal with professionals I got to produce what they're supposed to produce because then I could take t- time as money. And I need to be able to run and use my money again and again and again. And I need to have partners that are reliable in that. And I can't rely on the guy who decided to buy a couple of weeks ago, a hammer from a local home improvement center, and then sit there hoping and praying that he's going to finish the job or show up. Uh-uh. I deal with professionals. And you get to realize that very quickly when you get sucked into a project that should have taken you two months, it turns into six. Drive by your, that's funny. I drive by neighbors and uh, you know, I drive by areas and I look at a garbage bin in front of a particular property. And then three months later, I look at that same house and there'll be garbage bin there. And then six months later, i be there. And I'm scratching my head. I can build a house in four months, but there that garbage bin in front of that house, I've been there for six. That immediately tells me there's something going on. Something's not right. And typically is because the, you know, there's something going on between the contractor, obviously, and the uh, owner. And I really, I put the same amount of blame to the owner as I do the contractor.
1: Yeah, it yeah, makes a lot of sense. And um, definitely, so we got to consider that. Um, well, let's say we don't necessarily, we think we can do it ourselves and we don't want to use a contractor. What would you say to someone who has no experience, but thinks that's, the way to, to go,
0: I I you know what I, I don't recommend anybody doing it uh, themselves. It's like you, you want to go do your taxes, or you rather would you rather go hire an accountant to do your taxes? Like uh like uh, yeah, you could do it, but if you screw up, boy, you got a real uh. It's not fun to have the taxman running after you. So I I, I believe that professionals. are The right reason why there's professionals, you can act as your own GC, as your own general contractor, where you provide oversight over the whole project. You hire the demolition guy, you hire the electrician, the plumber, the painter, and you bring them in. You could do that. It requires a lot of more oversight. It requires a lot more uh, you know, of your time, but you can save a lot of money because me, I, the general contractor, me, I charge money. I charge a lot of money. And if you want to get rid of that oversight and managing the whole project, planning and managing it, and you want to do it, you could do it that way by you know hiring these individuals out. But for you to do the demolition, I got scars all over my body doing the work myself. I can tell you, it's not fun. You know, that Hollywood will knock that wall down. It's so fun to kick through a wall. Yee-hee! But then when the cameras turn away, and they don't show you that the millions of pieces that that wall is on the ground. So you got to pick that up and it's heavy. There's dust all over the place. And you got to take it out to the garbage bin and it's sweaty. And if it's a hot summer day, boy, you don't want to be any, you don't want any part of that eventually. So I find people that get into it, their first flip or first property, they'll do the DIY and they'll, you know, in their head, they'll say, That's oh, it's going to take me two months. It turns into being eight and they, they hate that process. And then they and they go, then they, they start using general contractors, but they don't know how to, plan and manage that renovation. So they end up getting screwed with the contractor. And so they're you know, on their second property. So down their third, they're they they're not sure what to do. And that's where I kind of help and step in. And I say, okay, we got to structure this, we got to put systems and processes. If you want to scale, you want to become a big boy in this business, you got to incorporate these types of things in your life. So that then all of a sudden, you're spending time on the business not in the business. Right. And that's a huge
1: key. And it sounds like systems and processes and then finding the right people for the right things is is huge because i mean i mean ultimately if you are really good at finding deals and you know putting together a high-level plan why spend years trial and error trying to figure it out like how to do the actual renovations where maybe you could hire someone and they have all they've spent 20 years developing these skills and now you can spend your time finding more deals and doing this and scaling it and doing it many, many more times. And ultimately, yeah, as you've already told us like time is money in this business.
0: So uh, Benjamin, this is, you'll get quickly realize and learn that this is a relationship business and is creating your own power team and the power team can be individuals like lawyers and engineers and architects and, and uh, mortgage brokers, property managers, real estate agents, all of that. You create a power team of individuals where you create win-win situations with those people. But even further, as part of your power team, is that you bring in people, whether they are employees or partners, that are really good at certain things. Like I uh, am really good at renovations, that value add component. I know it inside and out. And, and But I not, might not be good on the numbers. Uh, I might not be good on raising money. I might not be good on a bunch of other things, but I'm really good at that. So you need to bring different people into the business. Well, again, whether they're employees or partners, that address that. I just went through a similar through a situation right now with a, a, a client. There, there, there's two of them, where one of them is really good at raising money, the other one is really good at finding deals, but they're missing that third component, which which is the renovation, the value add, the management of that. And so now they're looking for somebody to bring into the picture, whether it's an employer or partner, so that looks after that. And If they can bring that another component in, lights out, man. What else do you need? You got the money, you got the deals, and you got somebody to be able to do something with these assets, it's a, it's a, it's a one, two knockout punch, baby. They're just going to pump out product. And I, I can't even, I'm like, I can't even, I can't, I can not even i can i could not even imagine what they're going to end up doing over the course of the next three to five years. they are going to bang it out, man. And they're going to get to the point where they started off with you know a couple of doors to they're going to have like hundreds of doors. It's that easy. You got to have the system and process in place. And they brought me in to help them create that because of the, you know, the, I've been around for over 30 years.
1: That's, yeah, that's amazing. I'm excited to uh, hear about what happens to them um, co- going forward. It sounds like, uh, you know, that sounds pretty powerful. Well, let's hit the lightning round. You ready? Sure. Hit me. So if you could have any superpower,
0: what would you choose? Oh, reading minds. Yeah. I love What's to be mean? a mind reader. Can you imagine if you read somebody's mind? I mean, totally would, uh be helpful you know there's actually but benjamin there's actually a show uh, there's actually a movie with mel gibson an old one maybe 15 10 15 years old what uh, something about uh uh, this guy this fellow who's able to who's blessed with this gift of being able to read women's minds and it was a really funny uh movie but it, it, it you know it made you think like wouldn't that be cool if you could read somebody's mind
1: yeah well, what's your favorite book or what's the one that's helped you the most in
0: your uh, career or in your, in your life? I got a couple of uh, books I'm, I'm going to quickly share. Uh, uh, Thinking Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. I think it's an incredible book because it teaches uh, positivity. It teaches mindset. Uh, one that's off the wall that I don't think a lot of people talk about, but I will. Uh, the Art of the Deal by Donald Trump is, got, is a fascinating book where I drew some real interesting nuggets out of it and it's helped me out in my life. And, um, There's a lot of great books out there. So those are the top two that are kind of off the wall that uh, not off the wall. At least one of them is that I I would encourage people to think about and read. Right. So uh, what motivates you to continue every day? This, like I really, I enjoyed myself talking to you and others about real estate. This is really my passion. I'm really good at it. And I really enjoy, I enjoy helping people. So when I get on a call and it might last two or three hours with somebody, uh, I, it's like, it's like nothing. Uh, and, and, and when you are, I, tr- I encourage everybody to go and seek out, uh, what you're really good at. Like we are all blessed by the universe, by God with a special gift. And that could be, you could make a great cake. Uh, you can sing, you can dance, you can crunch numbers, you can raise money, whatever that skill set is. You've been blessed with a gift, follow, find that gift and follow it if you follow it it will lead you to endless riches no yeah. question hopefully happiness as well absolutely if like i i'm happy i'm a happy person because it's just by virtue of me spending time with you and sharing experience and talking and then i'll have a client later on and enthusiasm and and my be, being able to be play a small little bit part in their successes and the gratitude that they have for me helping them out fills my soul it makes it gives me the power to continue on like i really enjoy it and i found my calling like i like i said i well i never i i I got to a point a couple years ago where i had a i had a health scare that really changed my mindset associated with uh you know going out there and on the hustle like i was i was a one mean son of a gun and, and that, you know, hitting that crossroads made me realize that, Hey, you know, maybe we need to stop and smell the flowers. And, and then I fell into this helping people and I'm, and I'm really passionate about it. I really enjoy it. Yeah. I mean, I, I totally feel that
1: I get the the most energy and the most satisfaction when I can, you know, use some skills or something that I've learned through my experience and, um, talk to a peer or talk to, um, family member and, uh, you know, give them a smile or help them through the situation. And like, that's really what always gives me energy. I always make time for that. And, um, because ultimately, you know, if not now, when, like, you know, I want to do that whenever I can. So um, what advice would you give to someone who wants to follow
0: in your footsteps besides all of this amazing advice you've already given? Um, what I would, have, I, I, I think I already touched on it. Like guess if you really want to get serious on this, I, I don't, I think that you should start by making the investment in yourself before you run out and make an investment in a property or something like that. Real estate definitely for uh, the power of leverage is really so uh, is the singularly the number one thing that separates all other investments and things you can do to create you know, generational wealth, to create the financial freedom that you want to experience in your life. So I think that that's what I would strongly encourage young folks when they're getting into this is to spend money, time, and effort learning the business inside and out. How to approach people, how to talk people. They, you know, one of the things I hear constantly here is, "Oh, there's no money out there. It's difficult. Where do I find the money? Where do I find the deals? There are deals everywhere. You know how I know deals? Because I, uh, I, 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 the guy across the street from me." I don't know if he lost his job or four houses down. He's struggling with a mortgage payment or seven houses down across the street over there. uh, They're going through uh, a divorce. These are all opportunities. These are people that want to get out. They don't want to advertise an open house and go through the whole, you know, that whole thing. They want to discreetly sell their property and just get out and get their money and get out. And if you can go in there, equitable, equitable um, opportunism, and go over there and give them a fair price that accounts for your, you know, taking on risk and doing a renovation, repair, whatever you need to do to that property, uh, it's a win-win situation. They get what they want, you get what you want, and opportunities all around us. Money. There is so much money floating around people. Like if I like there's like if I can put a put a business case together that shows you blow by blow, step by step. If I take X amount of dollars and converted to this kind of return, why there's investors that will line up. I, I, I go out there and find a deal go to your Facebook community and post a deal in those uh, real estate investor things. Like put it just for kicks. You just go, you know, if, uh, just say, Hey, I got a property here that, uh, that I bought, that I got off market. That's uh, $55,000. Anybody interested? You'll have 200 people crawling all over themselves to get to that deal. Give me, give me, give me, give me. So that goes to show you that uh, money is not a problem. Finding deals is not a problem. They're all around us. You just got to put the time and effort, which, you need to get into some processes and systems and structure to be able to find all those opportunities. Again, that requires somebody to help you put that together. But when you do it, all of that stuff is just, that's just mindset. That's ultimately, at the end of the day, if somebody tells me that, no, it's not possible just because you think it's not possible. But I can show you countless amount of uh, people that I've worked with over across North America that has become possible for them. When we put them on the blower, they'll tell you.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, that's very powerful. Uh, So lastly, since I put you on the spot, I want to give you a chance for revenge. So feel free to ask me anything you want to know about me. Well,
0: yeah, I know that you're going off to, that you're in university. Ultimately, at the end of the day, what are the steps that you're going to take to be able to be proactive and start that real estate investment portfolio?
1: Yeah, so um, I want to start with where I want to be and work my way back and then figure out where I want to be now. And um, I have this vision of one day being a developer and creating this place where it's just people are inspired to wake up every morning and, and live their lives and they're happy to be there. And just like, they feel like they're in a home rather than just in a, a place of brick, a bunch of bricks that cover them from the rain. So um, I really like that idea of being able to add value on that side and giving people a really nice place. And then also adding value to myself and my family and my investors, by helping them grow generational wealth, have time, freedom, have passive cash flow. So um, I just think that, given my skills and my interest, that that's the way to. Um, it's a great way to add value to the world and best my ability. Um, so now I'm thinking, you know, where do I start? And it's really it's all education. And I've spent a lot of time. I've read tons of books, listened to tons of podcasts. I'm feeling like I need to step my education up to the next level because I need to start learning. I there's a instead of declarative knowledge and all this information, I want to have procedural knowledge. How do I do it from learning through experience? So I really just want to get into a deal however I can. So, I mean, I spent a lot of time networking and trying to figure it out, but I, I'm really um, looking for, I'm trying to figure out exactly what the opportunity that I want to do, like that will be my my best in would be. And I'm thinking, you know, working with my my close family at, back home where, um, you know, people are, you know, settled down and i might. I may end up in the future um, because I think there's some opportunity around uh, the DC area in Virginia and and over there, there's some, some growth. So I'm thinking, I'm looking for places, ways to enter the market there, maybe small multifamily or, um, you know, single family, uh, like maybe a burr method or a short-term rental vacation place. But um, yeah, I really need to create these systems. And I think I might need to find a mentor or someone who I can, you know, emulate a model instead of trying to pick out these pieces that's floating around in my head from all these podcasts and uh, actually find um, a system that I can stick to this one thing. And and uh, use all my energy, enthusiasm, effort, motivation, and put that all into something that I know works instead of being like, okay, like I haven't done this yet. So I'm not an expert. I just have all this information that like, you know, I, I need the the confidence to rely on all the stuff that I've learned.
0: And that's one of the the, 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 the traits of a great coach or mentor is all that information resides in all of us. We all of us watch YouTube videos and read the books. Okay, we all have that information in us. But a great coach is able to draw that information, and put it in front of you. It's that that's that proverbial tree. You got you're standing in front of a tree, but you can't see the forest. And you you use a coach as a sounding board to be able to put this all this all that stuff in play and bring it to you to the forefront, and then also hold you accountable. Like I literally hold people accountable for their, for, you know, their actions. They have to be progressive. They, you know, I say, we get, we got, we got started in a process where we're going to eat this big elephant. We're not going to eat it all at once. We take incremental small bites to get to the point where we consume this whole elephant and that whole elephant is ultimately purchasing your first investment property from start to finish. How do we go goal setting, uh, market evaluation, the deal analysis, Finding the money and ultimately the renovation and, and, and the disposing of the property, all that stuff. Uh, it, it, you know, I, I'm a big proponent of. I, I mentioned before that uh, to get you to the promised land, where actually uh, you you see a success, and then once you got that success, it's amazing. Then afterwards, when you got that confidence, it's like when you decided to drive, drive your fir- the first time when you hopped in a car, you had all this fear and apprehension. You weren't sure about this or sure about that. Now you hop in a car; it's like second nature. You don't have any fear. You can boom, boom, go everywhere. In fact, you probably drive too fast. Benjamin, I know you. <laughs> I've, I've definitely uh, started. I've slowed down quite a bit.
1: i uh, you know, but uh, yeah. I mean, that, that's funny. That's funny yeah. you should say. Well, great. Um, well, there's been, you've shared a bunch of amazing information with us, and I've I've learned a lot. I mean, the the fact that the curb appeal and the exterior renovation being a huge value add or roi value i think that's a, a great piece of knowledge I, i'm just it's gonna stick with me and um definitely highlighting the system so really like you can rely on these systems for ultimately you know succeeding in your business plan and and then scaling it up and doing it many many more times and getting better at it so that's been amazing but uh if people want to learn more about this and maybe you want to ask you some questions uh reach out how can they find you
0: well, uh, I have a website, vansturgeon.com. I, I invite people to go out there. There's a wealth of information about articles I've written, podcasts I've been on, and, and videos that I've created for specific uh, aspects associated with, uh, with real estate investing. And you can reach me out through there. I, I, I encourage you also, folks, to be, uh, follow me on Instagram and TikTok. Uh, I, I just recently got on that platform. I'm an old fogey, but I've been told that this is the place to be for young folks. And so I'm putting up value, like I'm putting up uh, content every single uh, day, and uh, and it's really cool stuff. Like I see, like uh, like I got eight nine thousand followers, and I got TikTok. Uh, I think one of my videos went viral. That's what you guys call it, viral. It went to one point five billion views or something like that. So it's pretty cool stuff. Uh, so anyway, so I encourage people to, to follow me there, reach out to me if you got any questions, and I'll do what I can to help. At the end of the day, I'm, I really want to. My goal, we all—you uh, should ask me a question like, "What's my goal?" And I'll tell you what my goal is, uh, Benjamin. My goal is to create one million millionaires through real estate investing by 2030. Awesome! I think you can do it. I can definitely. I have no doubt, actually. So I
1: can't wait to came to see that. I'm gonna. I don't really go on TikTok much, but um, I'll I'll be sure to find out that video where you announced announced that you've you've succeeded. Okay. Cool. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks again for coming on. It's been a great, amazing episode. And encourage everyone to reach out to Van if they have any questions or want to learn more. Van um, and everybody, keep making milestones.